To Chainsaw Matinee. Everybody take your seats. We have such sights to show you. I'm Kai. I'm Marty. Welcome to the podcast. I'm Hannah. <laughs> I like the Dracula voice. That was Swedish. I, I, oh, I was sorry. Like, You're the Swedish chef. <laughs> um, and Do not cut that. And we, have a, we have a guest today. Hello, I'm Florence Pugh. Thank you for watching my movie. Oh my god! Holy oh, shit, Florence fan. Pugh! Such a oh big pull. Oh my god! I love your podcast. I, that's oh so you. crazy. I'm so flattered. I loved you that in Little Women. So Thank you. How is it working yeah. with Harry Styles? Yeah, please spill all the tea. <laughs> I, I don't even know who that is. Uh, you know, good for honestly, good for you. <laughs> Miss Flo, yeah. you are. He doesn't an icon. know what a, he doesn't know what a movie is. You shouldn't know who he is. Yeah, did I work with him? Was he in one of my movies? Was he an extra? He was in Don't Worry, Darling. I was coked out the whole time. I'm sorry. <laughs> you know what? You know what? That's fine. I would be coked out during that whole movie too. I mean, Nick Kroll's there. He's probably sharing it around. Yeah. <laughs> Did Chris Pine get spit on? Chris Pine did get spit on. Oh, during the movie. Oh, I just thought you meant like backstage. Like, yeah, we would all spit on Chris Pine. Yeah. <laughs> He's into mm-hmm. it. I'm learning so much today. Mm-hmm. This is amazing. He's into it. He loves it. You know what? Oh! You know what? I'm not going to yuck anyone's yums. This is maybe the weirdest intro I've ever done to a podcast. Hello, I'm Andy. Hi, Andy. <laughs> Hi, Where did Florence Pugh go? Thanks for bringing. Oh, she she just went off mic. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Bye, Florence. She's hanging out with my husband now. Yeah. Cool. Love that. Yeah. Tell her to um DM me. (laughs) I will absolutely. Awesome. So welcome back. It's been a a while since you've been on our show. Some uh yeah things. How long ago was the witch? It was like two, three years ago, maybe. It was that like 2019, time? early 2020. Time, time is an yeah. illusion. Yeah, that was a long time ago. A lot happened in that time span. What, what happened? Did something happen? Uh, so- Andy got married. Happened. That's what happened. Yeah, I got married. Oh. Marriage is cool. Marriage That's is a congratulations. Cool I'm going to say it's cool for you. <laughs> gay Just, marriage um, is cool. Gay marriage is, gay is very is the cool. Marriage. Legal yeah. marriage. That's what I'm fighting for. That's what I'm voting for in this upcoming election. Hell yeah. <laughs> Too real. Yeah. Would you like to tell the audience which movie we were talking about today? Yeah, we're talking about Midsummer because I can't come on a horror podcast without picking like a weirdly religious movie. Hey, I appreciate <laughs> and You know it. what? That's fine. Yeah, yeah. We, all, um, we all have our niches, and yours is weird religious stuff. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, although absolutely. this one isn't suspicious, specifically Christian uh, religious trauma. 
Uh, I would argue that it is. Yeah. Oh. Interesting. Yeah, I don't. I don't think Jack Rayner's character name is a mistake. Christian. Hey, that's true. Hey. See, I wouldn't have even really thought about that going into this movie. Although, it now that I'm thinking about it, yeah, quite a bit. I see it. I see it now. Well, because the Um, like part of the fact too is that the cult, like the fact that their religion is never named. And, like, they never really mm. talk about any specific gods or goddesses they worship. The, yeah, I do think that leaves it, like, pretty open to, um... And, like, when we when we get into it, I can, I can fully admit that I'm bringing my own experiences and biases to the table when I'm interacting with, I mean, any movie, but specifically something that, like, has religious themes. I'm going to be bringing my own baggage to it um whereas the rest of us are completely neutral yeah everyone's (laughs) so neutral on the topic of religion Mm -hmm. um but yeah i think i think this is a horror movie about someone finding faith and i think specifically how this movie treats the other characters in Danny's life is very metaphorical for someone joining um a form of evangelical uh pentecostal christianity uh or i mean i guess you could really apply it to any uh serious religion but th- that's the view that i you know see it through so yeah, well, I can't yeah. wait. I can't mm-hmm. wait to get into that. Um, there's yeah. a lot of layers to this movie. So this is one of my favorite movies, actually. I've I've watched it like way too many times. <laughs> um, so I was really excited that we are finally getting the chance to talk about it. So let us break down the plot. This is gonna be a heavy one. It's a, it very, is a very heavy movie. Yeah. And it's also fucking long as hell. So. It's so long. It's and so the, goddamn long. Yeah, and the fact that there's still a director's it. cut, I'm like, oh, Ari yeah. Aster. Um, but hey, that's okay. Uh, it all works. So the movie opens in the dead of winter. And we meet our main characters, Danny and Christian, who have been in a long-term relationship. I think they're both grad students. And yes. Christian is studying anthropology. Danny is studying psychology. Um, she has a kind of stressful relationship with her sister who is uh, suffering from mental illness. And she's received a bunch of scary emails, like threatening suicide and stuff like that. So she calls Christian and is very concerned. And he pretty much like brushes off her concerns and he's like it's nothing you're just letting your sister walk all over you like she's just trying to get a rise out of you um spoiler then you get alert, a look she's... at the email and it's like um very serious yeah like, spoiler it's, not, alert. it's not just she's... her like fucking around she's very serious so um like yeah not even 10 minutes into the movie we have this horrific scene of a suicide where uh, we find out that Danny's sister 
has killed herself by tape, like, sticking a hose in the car engine, basically, and, like, breathing in the fumes and, like, taping it to herself. And she also killed her and Danny's parents, both. Mm-hmm. Yep. So, um, like, in one night, like, all, all of Danny's immediate family is dead, which is extremely heartbreaking. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, shout um, out to Florence I- Pugh. I I'm gonna gush about her acting, but like this, yeah, she her, finds out and she's just her, like screaming. Oh my god, the sobbing is too real. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm I gonna assume say... we will talk about Hereditary eventually, but Ari Aster just picks phenomenal or knows phenomenal knows how to work with phenomenal women who are able to express grief so rawly and so powerfully. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna say. When we're editing this podcast, we should probably put a trigger warning at the beginning, or at least in yeah. the notes. Yeah, um, I'll put one because the there is also I heavy. There's going to be movie. discussions of suicide, um, uh, assault, um, in terms of rape, and uh, you know, cult shit. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, so we're also introduced to Christian's friend group. Um, he has friends, Josh, who's like very studious and into, very into anthropology and very serious about it. We have Mark, who's like the dumbass, goopy guy. They always have to put one of those in <laughs> he's a horror movie. He is. He's so Fucking stupid. Mark. And I honestly do. It's always the motherfucker hilarious. named Mark, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. Uh. And then we meet Pele, who is an exchange student from Sweden. So the film cuts two months later, and um, we find out that Christian and his friend group are planning a trip to Sweden to visit Pele's like home community, which is the super rural village, and um, they're having a midsummer festival. And Danny finds all this out at a party, and she's like, she overhears Christian talking about it, and. Of course, he acts like a douche about it because he basically wasn't going to tell her. And then he's like, oh, well, I was thinking about going, but I wasn't really going. But I do have tickets, but I'm not really going. And he just, like, keeps, like, doing this. And, like, and then, like, eventually he does cave and ends up inviting her, too. But then, like, he tells his friends, like, oh, just so you know, by the way, she's coming. But... Also, you guys, like, I told her that you wanted her to come. And he's just, like, playing all these stupid mind games. Mm-hmm. It's like, dude. I do not like I think he's just so conflict-avoidant that he is, like, useless. Yeah, <laughs> pretty like, much. he just can't communicate at all. My, uh, my hot take is that Christian's not that bad a dude. I don't really? think he's as bad as a lot of the audience thinks. Um, I do think there's I still like, don't like some him, big. But I don't I get like it. him, but like I do oh, feel I... for him because he was literally planning on breaking up with her, and then her whole family died. So like now he feels like, oh well, I can't dump her because like she's already been through enough. Mm-hmm. We we can we can wait till after the recap, uh, I guess, to dig into into Christian. But um, I don't think any of the friends, or I, I don't think any of the like guys in this movie, other than Pele, um, or I guess all the cult dudes are like bad people. I think that they are put in a a very rough 
uh, situation that like brings out strategically the worst in them. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna say I think Mark is a bad person, but like, but like not. Malicious. I think he's incompetent yeah, or he's like in, inconsiderate. Yeah, yeah, he's inconsiderate because he, all he wants to do is like have sex with Swedish women and like party and do drugs. And I'm like, yeah, you do you, bro. But he's also like extremely that's college, ain't it? Yeah, like he when they do finally get to Sweden and he's coming into this new culture, he's extremely disrespectful, and like that always just grinds my gears. Like. Whenever someone from another culture enters an unfamiliar place and just acts like they own the place, that that annoys me personally. So, but I yeah, I don't think he's like malicious or anything. Um. So also, you guys feel free to hop in on the summary stuff. I'm kind of just well. I guess do it. we. Oh, the summary. Uh, the summer, um, mid-summary. I, I, I said we, we kick it at a, a fast pace, because I feel like if you're listening to this, you've seen it. So, like... Yeah. They... And it's a modern classic. Very much gonna be in the canon forever. Yeah. Pele kind of takes them on this road trip up to this religious site. Uh, and they, they, you know, take some hallucinogenics on the way, and they're having a good time. But they get there and it is really not the like wild sex party that the guys were clearly like expecting it to be Mm -hmm. um and it slowly grows more and more sinister there's like a ritual suicide slash murder there's um the other travelers the british people who were brought along by another um member of the the harga they kind of go missing one by one um, before the festivities begin. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, Christian and Danny start fighting a lot more. Like, it's her birthday and he forgets. And so, like, there's some tension between them because of that. Kind of fed yeah. by Pele as well. He's like, do you do you feel held by Christian? Do you feel... Essentially, he's asking her, like, do you feel like this relationship is supporting you the way my community supports me? Yeah. So I do think it's worth explaining just a little bit, like, going into some of the stuff we learn about the Harga. Um, Absolutely. So, because the ritual, like, suicide, they talk about how they view life as a cycle that reflects all the different seasons. And so you have, like, your childhood, young adulthood, and yada yada. And so um, Pele's saying, like, yeah, and then you're an elder from this age until you reach 72. And then Danny's like, oh, what happens when you reach 72? And he makes a slashing gesture across his throat, and she, like, laughs. Like, you think he's joking? Uh, No, he's not joking. Like, literally, whenever they reach a certain age, they throw themselves off the cliff. They all just kill themselves. Yeah. Yeah. They have a big um, hammer if they, they do it not great. Yeah. Yeah, which is terrifying. And then mm-hmm. um, there's a lot of talk. Like, I do want to get into this later, but they talk about how, like, because one of the, Josh straight up asks, like, is there a problem with incest in this community? And they talk about how they try to bring in people from outside to kind of help prevent that. Um, there's a lot of talk of breeding, which will come up again later. Mm-hmm. 
Um, well, then there is a, a small boy who I believe is a prophet to them named yeah. Ruben, who is the product of incest. And they, he's yeah, around. They like- yeah, they say that in their religion, any prophets that they have have to be like from it, like incest and in reading and yeah yeah which is creepy um i mean that goes without saying but um yeah so they're doing all these different rituals there's a maple dance where like every year um someone is crowned the may queen so all these girls like dance around a maple and whoever lasts the longest ends up uh becoming the may queen so, um, that is Danny. She ends up becoming the May Queen. And, um, I really love that sequence because it's like super trippy. So they give all the girls like mushroom tea and they're all like tripping on psychedelics and like spinning around this maypole. And it's so beautiful. And the music's really good. Mm-hmm. Um, meanwhile. I love there's, there's a moment when. Oh. Go ahead. Oh, no, you go ahead. Oh, just there's a moment where Danny believes she's speaking Swedish when she's just speaking gibberish. It's very cute. Just wanted it, to It's say very that. funny. We'll move on. Um, meanwhile, there is another young woman named Maya who is trying to seduce Christian because she really, really wants to have a baby and she really, really wants to have his baby. So there's like a folktale among the Harga where um, you can seduce someone by putting pubic hairs in their food. So she, like, does that. She puts period blood in his drink and is, like, really gunning hard on trying to have sex with him. And so the the village elders, like, do approach him about this. And they're like, hey, just so you know, she's really interested in you. And, like, we would love it if you could get her pregnant. And, um... We'll talk about this a little bit later. It's all, like, really vague, but they do end up also giving him drugs. And he goes mm-hmm. off and does have sex with her. And Danny witnesses this happening and gets very upset. And as she's, like, screaming and crying, all the women of the village, like, gather around her and scream and cry with her. Because one of the things that they do as a culture is anytime someone is in pain... All of them will, like, echo that pain and start screaming and, like, flailing around also. So they're very big on, like, everything we experience, we experience as a group. And we are a family. And, like, they talk about children are raised by the entire group. And so um, after this, we have a... There, yeah, basically, there's a sacrifice at the end because we kind of know where this is going. Like, members of the group have gone missing and turned up dead. So, Christian ends up like drugged and paralyzed. And um, since Danny got crowned as the May Queen, she gets to choose who the final sacrifice will be because there's like a certain number. And so they've gotten like the elders who threw themselves and the other like travelers who went missing but they need one more person so she gets to choose it can either be christian or it can be a random person from the harga village and she chooses christian so he is sewn up inside of a dead bear and put in this little hut 
which is lit on fire. And, yep, and he burns to death in a bear costume. It's beautiful. <laughs> sure. Just, and they all sure. scream in pain. Yeah. Uh, and then I believe, I can't remember the line in the script, but Danny smiles with a smile that is only shared by the perfectly happy and the perfectly mad or something like that. I'll look it up Ooh, to see what specifically it I says, like but that. we can keep going. So um, that's a very brief recap. There's a lot that happens in this movie. It's a so three hour do, movie. Yeah, I do recommend you watch it if you haven't seen it, because it is very good. So, what are all of our thoughts on Midsummer? It's a really good movie. It is a really good yeah. movie. Um, I think I, at first when I saw it, because I did see it in the theater, I... I first didn't really love it because it had been girl bossified, so to speak. Like what I heard about this is like, oh, women are going to walk into this and feel so empowered. It's going to be like, and I was like expecting like Ready or Not or something like Halloween 2018 or something else, Jennifer's Body-ish. And when I came out, I was like, that was horrifying on so many different levels. It is not a girl boss movie. It is not a good for her movie at all. It is not a breakup movie either. I, I heard people say it's a girl boss movie or a breakup movie, and it is not either of those things yeah so with time and rewatching it without that culture surrounding it i really found an appreciation for how truly disturbing and horrifying this movie is and i think it, the movie itself is aware of this like it is not condoning any of the harga's actions or danny's actions but it is also not um inherently judging it or putting it in this like context not allowing them to make these very human choices it just simply is and I think that's that's some really good writing. And I think it's it was very controversial when it came out and is still kind of controversial for good reason. So I think it's a fantastic film. And please don't girl bossify this movie. Yeah. It's it's not so that. So my 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 hot take about the guys in this movie not being as terrible as I, I think most viewers see them ties into my read of the movie about how this is about uh someone coming to religion um and again my perspective is someone who came from mainstream evangelical american christianity so that's that's the lens that i'm kind of forced to to view this through but like a very sinister thing that evangelicals do and and you know to some degree other religions as well is prey on very vulnerable people in times of tragedy to get more converts that's a very common conversion tactic of like oh you just experienced some sort of like huge loss or a breakup or you lost your job like come to church this sunday come come to church uh come to my bible study wednesday night come to youth group whatever it is and then as the person gets more and more hooked on this new community, they are encouraged to start cutting out relationships from their previous life. And if you go in order of the friends who get murdered, murderfied, like Mark is Florence, uh, Danny's party friend, and Mark is the first to go. And that is very common for new converts to religion the next is josh and he's the intellectual um 
and like he's going to be the one asking questions that religion doesn't have an answer for and they're going to be encouraged like oh he's so secular he's so worldly you can't be listening to him he he's pulling you away you you shouldn't hang out with him anymore and then the the last is going to be the hardest one to give up and that's your current significant other but if he's not coming around if he's not taking religion as seriously as you are you're unequally yoked you got to get rid of him mm. you you like god has a higher calling for you god has a special relationship of someone who's also a believer so like you got to you got to get rid of that that person who's not as serious about your faith as you are uh so th- like that's kind of how i see it as far as like these guys like mark does fill a historic horror trope of like the party animal slash dumb whore and i love that in this movie it's a guy Mm -hmm. um Mm -hmm. but i don't think there's anything wrong with being a dumb whore like (laughs) yeah he came on this trip expecting it to be a trip of a lot of partying and a lot of consensual sex and a lot of drinking and he did not think Christian was still going to be dating Danny. He did not think Danny was going to be coming along. And now he's spending all this money on an international trip where, like, the mood is being fucking brought down low because Danny's super fucking depressed. And, like, they show up to this village and it is not the rampant sex party that he was sold. Like, I'd be a little pissed, too, if I thought I was going to do an orgy and my friend brought his super bummed out girlfriend and then no one was having sex like you promised me an orgy that's not what this is there's not even a cheese platter (laughs) i think that's actually a really interesting take i had not um viewed this movie through that lens before but i think it makes like total sense um and i think that's how a lot of different cults operate and um they take many forms sometimes they're religious sometimes they're not so the i i have you guys seen the video about how the cult in this film is a white supremacist cult mm, uh-huh. i've heard about that but i have not like dug very deep into it so it's very subtle um, but some of the, like, symbolism, like, when they, especially when they first arrive to the village, there's a big banner hanging at the entrance, and it has this symbol on it that's been used by a lot of white supremacist groups in Europe. But, like, if you're a tourist from America, you might not recognize that. And, like, just some of their wording and, like, some of their talk about, like, breeding... And, like, when you realize that all the people who live there are super pale and blonde... And like, um, in the in the director's cut, there is a deleted scene where Josh like straight up says like he's reading a book about how they're neo Nazis, and he jokes like, "Oh yeah, I just have this to annoy Pele," and like, so that got taken out. But I I do think it's kind of nice that it's not in your face about it because like in real life a cult is not gonna come recruiting you by knocking on your door and be like hey we hate people of color want to join my cult like no they're just gonna act really nice and be like oh we're a family here and then they'll slip in some really subtle language about like don't you feel like you're being replaced and all this um subtle stuff and 
I don't know. I guess the talk of breeding, though, it really does also tie in with evangelical Christianity because that is a huge thing in those communities. It's all uh-huh. about having a million kids so that you can outnumber the disgusting non-believers. That's, uh, that'll never be how they phrase it, but yeah, that's what it's about. Uh, there was a great documentary that recently came out um, called God Forbid uh, about uh, the Jerry Jr., uh, Jerry Falwell Jr. Uh, pool boy scandal, um, which uh, he is the son of Jerry Falwell Sr., who funded um, the like Reagan-era silent majority religious right shit. Um, very big deal in American politics, but uh, he uh, always said that it's better to be a kingmaker than a king, so he stayed out of the like limelight uh, a whole lot but he's very influential in american history and american politics but um a big thing that that documentary talks about is how um when segregation ended and uh schools had to uh integrate uh private christian schools became very popular because they could then still segregate and then as that became harder and harder to do and uh, eventually became illegal, their next big thing was gay rights and abortion. Um, they moved on to that. So fascinating documentary, really good stuff. And uh, the pool boy shit is uh, horrific, but uh, also a little bit funny because I went to that school. So Oh, my God. Oh, God. <laughs> well, and another thing that I always say... Oh, just with um, when people were saying like, "Oh, the cult is helping her. They're they're make like letting her have this catharsis." Um, but they've also like manipulated this entire scenario. Like they were grooming Christian to be with this girl, so they are the ones who kind of caused this final breaking point for Christian and her. And I, I think, unless anyone else wants to go into something here that's related to the topic i do want to talk about the fact that they they do sexually assault christian yeah yeah because tied to tied tied to that my point with with all of the guys is that once they have been there for like 24 hours i don't think any of their actions are truly their full responsibility it is very clear that they are being drugged and manipulated the whole time so like Mm -hmm. i don't think any of them are truly acting at their full capacity in a way that like morally we can hold them to account. It's almost like in cabin in the woods when like the vents open up and the drugs come, come through, you know, they're all like, we should stick together. And then the the gas comes in and they're like, we should split up, <laughs> you know, like it, yeah. it, it's, it's like that shit. Like they are like very clearly being, um, hardcore manipulated by everyone here Mm -hmm. yeah i mean like and any time someone is given drugs against their will like yeah that if you're inebriated while you're having sex then that to me counts as assault um so yeah well and to me consent means that you have the ability to say no in a safe environment or an environment you chose at any time. And as soon as we see Christian's behavior after he has taken the drug, where he's like, where am I? What's going on? He clearly does not know 
really what he he's doing or where he is, to me, that has taken away his ability to consent or to say no at any given point. So everything that happens after that, to me, is is an assault and a grooming. To the point where the woman is physically, like, pushing him into the, the oh. girl. Yeah, can we talk about that sex scene? Because, like, I do... Uh, every time I watch this, I'm like, how is he staying hard through all of this? So, like, they're in this big... It's the room. drugs. And I'm there's all these, sure. Yeah. There's all these naked women, like, just singing while Maya's, like, laying in the middle of the room. And, you know, she, like, spreads her legs and stuff. And they start going at it. And then, like... This older lady, I guess, decides Christian's not going fast enough because she just comes up behind him and starts pushing his butt. <laughs> and, like, it's it's not funny in context, but if I describe it out of context, it sounds very funny. Um, it's one of those things that, mm -hmm. like, makes you laugh because it's so uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I've heard this movie described as, like, a pot of water that just slowly begins to boil and you're the frog in the pot. That's, that's just being boiled alive. And that's kind of what it is with the cult, you know? You start out with the very basic stuff, and then little by little, things get a little more off. But if as long as it's step by step, then you don't see it coming until, boom, you just set people on fire. Yeah, and uh, I think, like... To the... To the, the thing I want to bring up about the assault of Christian is... Um, originally, the character was going to be wearing a robe, like, the whole time. And uh, when he like ran out he was going to grab a robe and cover himself and the actor jack rayner fought to uh, be naked and mm. uh, a big thing that he talked about for that decision was that horror movies very frequently show women in these really vulnerable horrific situations often naked and he felt like it was his responsibility as a male actor being in a horror movie and being in the like girlfriend role who gets butchered he was like i should be naked here like why would i put a robe on like a man mm -hmm. should be like this vulnerable piece of ass on the screen uh for once mm -hmm. uh mm -hmm. and i just thought that was cool like yeah. it's a really horrific scene it's very upsetting it is um not sexy like you know, I would say in some of those vulnerable murder situations of, like, classic horror, uh, they kind of sexify and titillate with the horror nudity stuff. Like, this is not that. Um, but I think it's, like, uh, I thought it was, like, a really good move of him to fight, to, to have that extra layer of vulnerability in these yeah. in these scenes. I do think it, like, really does make that scene a lot more terrifying, where he's, like, just running around, and he can't even, like, find clothes, completely disoriented. Um, I think that's a really good choice, actually. Yeah. And at the very end, when he's completely immobilized, like, symbolizing, like, how he could never get up the courage to tell Danny what was really happening with their relationship. Mm. Something also that, like... I regarding the sex scene is the fact that like it's not private which like hey whatever you're into but um this cult makes such a big deal about how everything is shared and like every every good or bad sensation they experience together and um it does kind of feel like a way of preventing people 
forming like one-on-one -on -one connections with each other, which would um, in turn cause you to escape the cults, possibly if you start caring about like one individual instead of the group as a whole. So I do think that's just really interesting to note. Um, and something that like yeah, I've it's... oh go ahead. Uh, I was just gonna say like off of that like one of the big things that I do miss about being so plugged in with a faith community was this idea of community like when I was at Liberty I could walk out my dorm room and there were sixty guys on a hall that I knew if I needed to pray with someone or needed to talk with someone or just like wanted to go on a sheets run. Mm -hmm. There were guys there that would be there for me for anything. Like when my grandfather died and I was at school, my RA Zach did my laundry for like a week because my girlfriend broke up with me and my grandpa died in the span of like six days. Um, mm. And, like, that was really cool of him. Like, he didn't need to do that. But, like, that was just something that, like, this community did for each other. And then, like, when I graduated and was in seminary and was a pastor and stuff, like, it was the same thing. Like, people would, like, make meals for each other. And we would have potlucks. And we would have movie nights. And, like, you are plugged into a social environment that you can utilize for fun stuff, for difficult stuff. If you need someone to be there for you, you got someone if you someone needs you, you can be there and like help them out. And that like feels good. And it's really awesome. Um, the problem is that it also comes with a lot of like sinister baggage and this lack of independence. Like I technically could not watch R rated movies while I was at school. And like, I technically couldn't drink and I technically couldn't kiss boys and like there were a whole lot of things that I wasn't allowed to do in order to like maintain status there mm -hmm. and that sort of community that is super plugged into all of your shit like you know everything about everyone all the time like there's there is no privacy and that's like really scary like that's that's buck wild uh looking at it from this side of things and that's how this weird, creepy cult is here. Yeah, like, being ostracized, you could say, might be used as a punishment. Like, oh, if you do the wrong thing, then all that support and uh, all that goes away. Mm. Like, when she shows up and they're like, oh yeah, there's no private bedrooms, like, there's no walls. Like, all of the young people sleep in these open rooms with, like beds not connected to each other and you can other. hear the babies this, crying yeah yeah there's always this baby crying and it's just like oh shit like i might have had walls but like everyone was spying on each other like everyone knew everyone's business like mm -hmm. if you wanted to have sex with someone like everyone would know and you'd get in trouble and like yeah this lack of privacy is such a like core element of the horror of this movie for me mm -hmm. and it is very very familiar yeah in an uncomfortable way yeah for sure mm -hmm. i will say one part of this movie that i would like to bring to the table that i think is a very hard discussion but is something that always comes to my brain when i think about this movie 
is Reuben the prophet and his purpose in the movie. Because there is a part of me that worries that his appearance is what he is there for to add to this feeling of discomfort because, you know, he his face is a little bit differently formed due to the, you know, the product of incest. So I just, I don't know what that adds for me other than kind of this continuing, and it's something that's still in horror. Like it was in Barbarian where this the kind of other different types of bodies is the source of horror. And I just, I don't know if I'm not seeing something that ties him more into the horror of the cult, or maybe he's kind of shoved into this role as prophet where he's not able to communicate in the way that he maybe could have if he had been raised a different way or something. But other than that, I'm just seeing it as this more like, you know, his body is the horror and that's why we keep cutting back to it. But if there's another reading of him, I would love to see it. Otherwise, I do kind of see it as a continuation of that trope. I don't know. I, the thing with, like, the incest and incestual breeding and all of that is that I feel like it's not them, like, in in my mind, the way I've always, because I, I sympathize with, you know, people who are, you know, different, um, (laughs) um, but, like, when i when i watch this movie and they cut to ruben i always i always think about it's not like him that's the horror it's what was done to create him um yeah you know for me it's like it's always objectified too yeah like he's a tool for them and his entire Mm -hmm. existence like literally he was purposely created for a certain purpose without like yeah them even thinking like oh maybe this person won't have a great life if they're born like if we're purposely making them born disabled and like mm-hmm. they don't think of any of that in their minds he's just a tool and so yeah i think i mean i'm not i kind of sympathize with him just because he's also a victim of the cult just by way of being born yeah i mean i'm not like the expert on it either um so i don't really know the answer but i think that i think it's a little of both i think this movie's not a clear-cut thing with anything i think think, mm -hmm. like it is both very smart but also it is a horror movie and there are these tropes that have been embedded in it since the beginning and i I don't know if it'll ever go away yeah like a lot of movies um they want you to understand, like, the horror of incest, and that's just an easy way to do it, which, yeah. is that ableist? I don't know, maybe, um, but, like, I guess that's their alternative to, like, showing the incest happening? I don't really know. I think how the movie treats Ruben is is ableist to some degree and again i'm not an expert on that sort of film critique uh, mm-hmm. i would be interested to read uh maybe some blogs by by people who are uh more part of that community who can mm-hmm. speak to how they absolutely feel about themselves um, yeah but i will say it like again my my entire take with this movie is that it is how different faith communities treat people and specifically my own experience with christianity they don't treat 
children or especially like differently abled children particularly well and a lot of them are tokenized and um look at this you know great gift of like life it's a miracle that they're alive you know that kind of thing well there's there's that aspect to it and then there's like trying to use these kids as props for how strong their their faith is or using well, them I think as it's props also... for faith healings like mm-hmm. it's yeah for possession stuff it's mm-hmm. like there's a lot of like really gross fucked up shit that gets put on kids who are different whether it be uh, a physical or a mental uh other capacity and um yeah yeah i think ruben brings up that darkness and i think the film maybe doesn't do it in the cleanest way i think the film does it in a slightly messy way yeah but uh this shit is happening in america like it is yeah it's it's out there the the thing with I feel like nobody talks about Ruben when they talk about this movie. And that's like specifically He's just a hard because character to talk about. Yeah. It's because mm-hmm. like, there's not first off, like it's kind of hard what to like figure out what like specifically he's supposed to represent within the story, just because there's a lot of other stuff going on. But I, I definitely believe like, yeah, he's there because he, he shows like that this is, not a great place for anyone including like some of the people that are like within that community well there's this one bit too where um i believe josh is talking with one of the the um religious leaders and he says like ruben draws or paints and we interpret so again i think it's what you guys were saying where I guess he is this kind of conduit for, oh, we just are following the teachings. This is not something we are consciously doing. This is our belief system. So we're like using this as an excuse not to take accountability because it's just how things are. They're just not allowing him to be a child at all and just having these drawings Mm -hmm. and things be like what a child does. You know, he's he's like a, he's a prophet. And so they like, they're putting a lot of pressure on a disabled child to like show them what their religion is supposed to be telling them what to do and it's really fucked up and i feel really bad for him within the context of the film well it's also worth begging the question like if another person was born disabled um you know that wasn't like purposely made that way by the village elders Mm -hmm. Would they be allowed to grow up? Uh, this village yeah. seems pretty into eugenics, like the whole killing yeah. old people thing. I'm like, that's that's eugenics. Like they've just decided that once a person reaches the age of seventy two, they can't have a fulfilling life anymore, which is really fucked up. Like mm-hmm. there are a mm-hmm. lot of people who live to be way older than seventy two that have great lives. So that's yeah, pretty messed up. Yeah, that question. Or like of this like, idea, if if there was like a disabled child that wasn't the product of incest, would they live? That's like a really good question to be asking about this because that's wow. Mm-hmm. Well, and in the end, they they even say like during the the sac not the sacrifice the self sacrifice moment when they reach seventy two, like they don't want to be a burden on the community. And I'm like, well, but you kill people. Mm-hmm. You are literally 
actively causing harm to people who are quote unquote in the prime of their life. They're just not within your community. And even if like some people do think that these guys who like commit like quote unquote horror movie sins where like he takes pictures of the book at night when he is explicitly told not to, he kind of pisses on their sacred tree, like stuff like that. The British people did nothing. They did everything right. As soon as something fucked up happened, they tried to leave and they prevented them. They cut him open, put his lungs on the outside of his body and made sure he kept breathing. Like that Mm, is evil with a capital E. Yeah. Yeah. Real fucked up. Yeah. I do also like that moment at the end. So the cult, like, they, of course, sacrifice the travelers and they also sacrifice some of their own village. So there are two people who volunteer and they're, like, sitting in this little temple about to be burned alive. And they're given, like, it's from, like, drink the sap from the yew tree. It will make you feel no pain. Um, but once they start catching fire, they start screaming in pain. So, like, the cult literally lied to their faces. And, like, they only realize that as they're dying. Mm-hmm. I think faith communities eat their own constantly. So whether it's the, like, abuses of children in the Catholic Church... Or whether it is how women and queer people mm-hmm. are treated in mainline evangelical Christianity or, uh, I mean, you can point to any number of religions and how they treat their own and how they chew people up and spit them out. Yeah. Um, and, like, you're right. If you believe heaven is real and hell is real and you need to avoid hell or whatever afterlife scenario is, you will do horrific shit to people and justify it that you're trying to either get yourself into heaven or mm-hmm. to save them from hell. Yeah. Um, and like, yeah, it's buck wild that these two people from the community volunteer for it. And despite their like clearly extreme loyalty and extreme faith they're still sold a fucking raw deal yeah with this tree sap shit yeah (laughs) yeah yeah i mean Mm -hmm. i think that's the thing right like it doesn't matter whether or not there is a heaven or a hell but like Mm -hmm. if you are using that as your only or biggest motivation to follow a faith then Mm -hmm. i think you need to really re-examine things because like Mm -hmm. that's not a good reason to join any group just because you're like oh i don't want to go to hell so i guess i'll do this um yep and people who use like talk of hell to scare people into like joining their religion um i have zero respect for that yeah no (laughs) well i was gonna say it also does tie into again like how they prey on people who have lost someone like danny Mm -hmm. is prey to the cult because she is completely alone like she has lost her family um so they see her as a target i mean that kind of goes back to real life like people who have lost relatives can be lured into groups by being told like oh they're in heaven now and even being told like well this prophet can talk to your loved ones for you because we can communicate with people in heaven and i mean you know there's all kinds of crazy shit that these cults will tell you to try to get uh-huh. you to trust them yep mm-hmm. there, there's some people that'll even tell you like 
oh, your family members are in hell. You should join us so you don't end up there too. Like, it's like, they'll do anything to, like, get numbers. They'll fear monger. They'll be nice to you. It, It literally doesn't matter to them as long as they've got numbers. They might see what they're doing as kind. They might think we're mm-hmm. honoring these people. No. We're putting mm-hmm. them in such a position of love, a position of power, of reverence that they would never have had in their their normal lives, their normal isolated existence. We're making them a part of something, a part of something bigger than themselves. And with Danny, when she's all alone and isolated, that idea can be so enticing because... In the end, I don't think it's the guys that aren't, they're not antagonizing her. They're just not her support group. She lost all of that. Mm-hmm. And any port in a storm after a certain before point. Before this happens. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Like that support w- from him was gone way before any of this happened. And he's just kind of and he, trying to save his, face. He's doing his best. I genuinely think he's doing his best, but he's like. He's tra- he's like trapped. He yeah. He, he doesn't he know what to do. Trapped with this person who he doesn't love, and he doesn't want to lie to her and say like I don't love you anymore. Like, he does, he like, doesn't want to tell her the truth. Yeah, yeah. He doesn't want to tell her the truth, and he also doesn't want to lie. So he's like offering the best support he can. Mm-hmm. But like that's 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 fucking awkward. Like yeah. I do I do feel for him, and again he then gets like manipulated by this cult into doing yeah uh like fucked up shit and then he gets assaulted but Mm -hmm. like i will say like there are times in this movie where i i'm like i don't like him but like i i definitely agree with everything that you're saying here there's yeah i let me clarify too i don't like christian josh mm -hmm. or mark i Mm -hmm. just don't think they're evil i don't think they deserve what they get i think they are three very average cis kind of stupid dudes dudes. (laughs) they are they are your stereotypical graduate school bros. Like, they all seem to have come from decent money. Mm-hmm. They all seem pretty privileged. They are three typical, yeah, average, flawed dudes. I, I and it is not a girl boss moment that Danny no, it's not. <laughs> fucking murders the shit out of them and stuff. Yeah. No. Well, and what is it? Um, I found the final line of the script as well. Mm-hmm. It's um, a smile breaks onto Danny's face. She has surrendered to a joy known only to the insane. She has lost herself completely, and she is finally free. It is horrible, and it is beautiful. Ooh. Wow. See, that's sad. That like she's it. lost herself. Like that's what I get out of that. And like, yeah, I... she's got the community. Yeah. So something that's been fascinating is, like I said, I've watched this movie a lot of times is uh, re-watching it from different characters' points of view. So, mm-hmm. like, I do like watching it from Christian's point of view and kind of seeing, like, oh, this is what he sees. Um, of course, from mm-hmm. Danny's point of view, it's heartbreaking because she is so alone. And yeah. um, watching it from Pele's point of view is very interesting because you can see, like, from the very beginning how he's manipulating things. Mm-hmm. Like... He's, he is a fascinating villain. Yeah, yeah. he okay. like slides up as soon as it's Danny's birthday and he like gives her this handmade drawing of her that he did. He does this knowing that Christian is going to forget and he's like, oh, mm-hmm. I'm sorry I didn't know because I wouldn't have done anything for you if I had known Christian forgot. I didn't mean to draw attention to it. He totally meant to draw attention to it. And like, yeah, even at the beginning when they're they're telling a joke, like, um, 
I think the guys are at a restaurant and there's a waitress like flirting with Christian and Mark goes, see, you could be getting her pregnant right now. And Pele just goes, and don't forget about all the Swedish women you'll impregnate this summer. I'm like, oh, he's he's literally being like 100% serious. He's not joking. Like that's yeah. creepy as hell. Yeah. Uh, just little moments like that. My my thing with Christian, the the reason I specifically don't like him is the scene in which uh, Danny goes to, like, give him some flowers that she picked, and he, like, totally blows up in her face, like, saying that she's, like, manipulating him and, like, all this other stuff. It's like, you are being manipulated. It's just not coming from the source that you think it is, like... Uh, it that I, that part specifically like it gets me so mad it's like I, I, you're almost there but also she didn't deserve that that's from the director's cut and i do think it's yeah like, so all the stuff in the director's cut i do think is good that it got removed like i think the yeah. original like the theatrical cut is a lot better um like the director's yeah. cut has scenes that take place at night which is like i don't like i think it's better to like have all of the Sweden scenes take place during the day. I think that, like, makes it even creepier because it's super bright mm -hmm. outside and, like, you can never tell yeah. what time it is because, you know, up there it's, like, most of the day is yeah. daylight in the summer except for, there like, are a just few like, hours of darkness at night. There are just, like, a few movies where if I see the director's cut, then that's just, like, the version that will stick in my mind. Yeah. And, like, I mean, I do think it's worth it's, watching. It's, like, that's one of them. Because that is a great scene. And, like, there's another scene, um, the scene where Danny's, like, asking Christian why he didn't tell her about Sweden. It goes on for way longer in the director's cut, and you see her, like, break down and be like, no, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. And, like, it's fascinating. Um, but ultimately, I think it didn't need to be in the movie, but I still enjoyed watching it. I I do love how this movie is very bright. Yeah. And it... It does make it feel very distinct from other horror movies, which just traditionally are, tend to be very dark. Um, uh, it's really, really cool choices were made when when making this, for sure. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I, I also really like that they did all of this movie for the most part in broad daylight. Um, it just like it, it just draws attention to the fact that like this. Like, they can be doing all of this stuff in broad daylight, and, like, no one would, like, figure out that they're being manipulated and stuff because that's how good they are at it. They don't need to be shady about it. They just do it. Yeah. Well, and on I a psychological it... level, you assume the day means safe. Uh, yeah, in this movie, they say, too. no, day means nothing. In fact, day is worse. You're gonna yeah. get killed during the day. Yeah. Um, yeah, and I think it it makes it more disorienting, too, because you never really know what time it is. It doesn't mm -hmm. feel like time is passing. Um, and then there's all the drug scenes, which are great. Oh, so they, yeah. They have so many, like, scenes where they're tripping on psychedelics, and it's like, the effects, like, the background will kind of start to swirl, or, like, there's a scene mm -hmm. where they're eating at the table, and, like, the food is, like, <laughs> The guy that moving. claps at Christian, and he, like, yeah, he, like, flinches. Like, I know that gets memed a lot, but, like, it's, it's, like, really, when someone, like, claps at you like that, like, in any context, whether you're sober or on drugs, I feel like you're gonna flinch at that. Yeah, but like I mean, the, it's terrifying. the effects that they have for the clapping, like, it's like, woo. 
Yeah. Um, if I ever do try psychedelics, I would actually love to watch this movie. Oh my god. Oh god, I would get I think I would go get so anxious my head would explode. Yeah, yeah no, that's rough, yeah. That's a rough high watch. No, there is a meme. It's like the galaxy brain meme where it's like going through the layers about this movie. It's like layer one, Midsommar is a scary movie. Layer two, Midsommar is a girl boss movie. Layer three, Midsommar is a movie about a white supremacist cult. And then layer four is Midsommar is a stoner comedy. <laughs> yeah. Which I do think oh, is really Jesus. funny. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I don't know if I'll ever do psychedelics. So... Um, but anyway, if I do, I would kind of like to watch this movie like that and see, like, what else jumps out about it. Costuming. Costuming in this movie is really fucking good. It really yes, is. Hell yeah. it is. A lot of, like, really beautiful hand stitching. Um, yeah. I, I have watched this movie with, uh, some very talented cosplayers and, like, the entire time they were just freaking out about yeah, how certain things were sewn. I love the Mayflower Queen dress. Yeah, of course. Her, like, and then the big, yeah, the big dress at the end that's made of flowers. And, oh, like, she has mm-hmm. a huge flower crown. It looks. It reminds so cool. me of the mayor in the Yellow Submarine movie. <laughs> I've never seen that movie. Really, that thing of... was like forty pounds. Yeah, I yeah, also I really like. It. I do like the bear costume that they put Christian into. I think that's yeah, kind of cool. Um, it looks kind of like, warm, actually. <laughs> the fact that like the bear's just sitting in a cage when they first get to the village, and they're like, "What's the bear for?" And Pele is just like, "It's a bear." Um, <laughs> I don't know why that scene always kind of cracks me up. They're gonna put you in it later. It's a surprise tool that will help us later. <laughs> uh, uh. So. Do we have any last thoughts? I know we just kind of scratched the surface, but... I will say, when I first saw this movie, I didn't like it. And I think it was just because a lot of people were like, this is a girl boss movie. And then I watched it and I was like, that's not what this is at all. I don't think you people understand anything about what's going on here. And I just didn't really like the reception that I got. And so that made me not like the movie itself. But then after watching it a few times and, you know, having more, like, time with the story and, like, what's actually being said, I feel like I like it more. This was my second time watching it. I first watched it a couple years ago. And I was like, this movie was amazing. It is not what anyone says it is. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mm-hmm. never need to watch this movie again. Um <laughs> Because, I mean, it really is, like, you can watch this once and just, like, sit with it. It's a hard watch. Uh, but I watched it a second time for y'all because I love your podcast and I wanted to talk about it. And uh, it it held up. It's a damn good movie the second time through. And uh, I still love it for all of the same upsetting, traumatizing uh, reasons of the stuff that it makes me sit with and think about. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I think there's um there's still a lot I, I reconcile with when I watch this movie, um, and I think that's intentional. I think it is designed to make you uncomfortable, not in a way of like, ah, I got you. <laughs> it's more just like, no, these are just uncomfortable facts of life that we all deal with in one way or another, be it 
um, a relationship that is dying and you don't know what to do, or you have grief that you don't know how to express in a proper social situation, or you, I, you know, there's just so many different uncomfortable factors with all the religious stuff we talked about. And I really enjoyed that perspective you brought because I didn't think about it from that perspective before. So I really have something new to chew on with this movie. I think this movie is thoughtful. I think this movie is interesting. I think it makes me want to throw up. <laughs> I feel that. Yeah, that's definitely fair. Last thing I want to say is it is a very intentional movie. Every every mm-hmm. choice is is very, very intentional. And yes. I, I think that's another reason why it's so uncomfortable is because there. every choice is designed to make you feel squigged out. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's even like, choices for like things that are going on in the background like there are there are images in the trees and like all kinds of other stuff that are just there for like food is rotted yeah Mm. and you never see any of the swedish people eat they just put their forks up to their mouth but like there's no food on them I don't know how true that is, but I was reading trivia about it. And I was like, this is fucking wild. Yeah, there's a lot of weird stuff happening in this movie, just like under the surface. I mean, I did Um, hear that the food started to rot during filming because like, it was so hot outside. Yeah, it was really hot and like, they wouldn't, they just kept going with takes and like doing it over and over again. Wow. Oh my god. (laughs) Yeah, Kai, how about you? Um, yeah, like I said, I really like this movie. Um, I just think that it's fascinating, which is why I've watched it so many times. I just, um, I think that there's always more layers that I've found, like, each time I've revisited it. And it's grown on me a lot. I think, like, the first time I watched it, I was a little turned off because I thought it was, like, intended to be a girl boss movie. Um, mm-hmm. But then the more I thought about it and the more I watched it and like heard other people talk about it, I kind of started to see like more and more different interpretations. And I think it's um, a movie that really speaks to like your personal trauma. Um, we've talked about the religious trauma angle of it, but I would I would be interested to hear like someone who sees who focuses more on the relationship side of it i guess like to hear from someone who's like oh yeah i related to that so hard i've been in a relationship like that um because i really haven't so i'd be curious to hear about that but yeah overall i think it's a great mm-hmm. movie mm-hmm. it's real good yeah, it's real good thank you so much for joining us andy where can you be found um my twitter for as long as that's around is mm-hmm. uh at a one hat town i just moved back to tumblr with the same at so feel free to give me a follow over there uh the main thing i want to plug is my uh horror podcast good neighbors it's an actual play podcast using monster of the week we just started our second campaign so if you want to jump on fresh by the time this comes out we'll only have one or two episodes out at this point uh, or you can go back to campaign one, which is only like 64 episodes. Um, and it's really good. It's we, we won some awards. It's very queer. Uh, it's got themes of uh, overcoming trauma and uh, found family and uh, 
you know, like community aid and like looking out for your community. So uh, I'm real proud of it. And uh, I think your listeners would probably get a kick out of it if they want some fun, queer, uh, authentically queer horror shit. Hell yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm also going to give a shout out to Ending Pending, which is one of your other podcasts, because I recently listened to all the episodes about Over the Garden Wall. And those episodes were so good. Thank you so much. Yeah, it was so fun getting to talk about that show. It's a delightful show. Damn right it is. Hell yeah. <laughs> yeah so, uh, for those of you listening, you can keep up with us on Twitter at Chainsaw Matinee. We are working on some other social media, but stay tuned. It's a work in progress. And you can also find us on Patreon. If you would like to support us financially, we would very much appreciate it. Contributions help go towards our hosting fees and keeping our equipment up to date and things like that. Thank you to everyone for tuning in. Thank you again to Andy for joining us. And everyone stay safe out there. Um, it sounds yeah. it's too simple to just say don't join a cult, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> but don't don't be, join cults. Just be careful. There's a lot of people out there who like to to prey on vulnerable. Question people. every word that is being said to you at all times, even from us. <laughs> if someone mm-hmm. tells you they got shit figured out, uh, they're they do not run. something. Yeah, yeah, don't buy that. And as always, may your nightmares be wonderful. And your daydreams. <laughs> <laughs>